This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as we are ever so approaching day one of spring practice. A week from Saturday, March 4th here, the Huskers will take the practice field to begin uh, spring drills, and that's always exciting. Uh, we unveiled our spring previews this week on offense, so lots of things to talk about, and that that's what we're going to come out of the gates with here as bring Robin and Nate into discussion. Um, you know, not a surprise, quarterback has generated a lot of discussion, and I think the debate really lies on most insiders or people that have a handle on things feel like obviously Tanner Lee's the guy, but we all know how this thing is going to be played out. It's going to be 50-50, Tanner Lee, Patrick O'Brien. We'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, I've been on the road all week taking questions from Husker fans around the state, and the first question I get from a lot of people, if Tanner Lee wins the job, what's is Patrick O'Brien going to be upset? And, and maybe look at leaving. I'm like, guys, you, you can't even worry about that. You know, and there, there's a lot of debate and discussion about kind of how this quarterback thing will play out once the starter is named. Yeah, and I agree that Lee appears to be the front runner, especially when you take into account public comments made by guys like Billy Devaney, who are calling him a potential first-round draft pick. Better so than Jared Goff. They are setting the bar extremely high, which I kind of have a little bit of issue with. I think that uh, uh, as if the pressure of being the quarterback at Nebraska wasn't already difficult enough to, to add those types of expectations uh, I don't think you're really doing your guy uh, very much justice and setting him up for a very fair opportunity here. But uh, there's a reason they said it. And so, uh, you know, the, the expectation now is for Tanner Lee to be, uh, you know, a completely different quarterback than Nebraska's seen maybe since Zach Taylor. If if Tanner Lee wasn't as old as he is. and Fifth-year junior. Yeah, fifth-year junior. Um, then I would really take exception with some of the comments that have kind of come out there. Uh, but he's a very mature kid. Uh, he's been through the, the, the battles, been through the fires before. Um, and so I, I think with a lot of that is, is kind of, uh, you know, he's able to weather some of, some of these expectations and, and everything. I think that he's just a very mature kid. I know when he was going through the recruiting process, uh, a few times that I was able to talk with him uh, follow, you know, before his visit, after his visit, and when he committed uh, to Nebraska or said that he was transferring, I was always struck by how well-spoken he was and how mature he was. And you could tell that this is a guy that's handled pressure before, that had been in front of the media, um, and that had certain qualities that you look for out of a quarterback. Yeah, and one thing to keep in mind, Patrick O'Brien is going to have every opportunity to win the starting mm -hmm. job. I mean, he's a guy that's been on campus for a full calendar year now. Uh, this will be his second spring, and he has had you know an entire season to basically work with the first team offense. Because technically, he registered and you know did some reps on scout team, but he got a lot of reps, especially uh, when you know Nebraska was limited on his quarterbacks with injuries. So uh, he's got a lot of experience under his belt. That uh, I think this isn't a given by any means that Tanner Lee is locked in for the starting job. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan. Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, as we are almost a week away from the start of spring practice. And you, know, you look at some of the other key positions on offense that have generated some buzz. Uh, tight end remains wide open. I mean, that is the one position we're like, huh, who's going to be the guy? I mean, there's a lot of questions there. 
receiver. You've got the freshman coming in, uh, Javon McQuitty and, and Keyshawn Johnson Jr. And then um, then you, you bring in J.D. Spielman um, off the redshirt year. And then Kean Williams now eligible to play. So there's some new blood at the receiver position that are going to have an opportunity. Then offensive line, I think um, the battle really remains for two positions, center and right tackle. So uh, there's a lot to look at when you kind of break down this some of the you know, bigger picture storylines with this offense. Yeah, I'm really intrigued with the wide receiver position just because the opportunity for first year freshmen and, you know, like you said, Keen Williams coming off his transfer to make an immediate impact is huge. And so uh, I'm really anxious to see, you know, what especially these three guys that are rolling in the spring can do. And then obviously Ty John Lindsay, we know all about him. Uh, so, I mean, there's going to be a real opportunity for some true freshmen to come in and have immediate role uh, within this offense. Yeah, it really couldn't have worked out much better for those guys um, to come in with such a, a you know gaping hole there, uh, considering what they lost. So those guys are they're you know going to be able to to kind of step in right away, and I think it'll be uh, a sink or swim type of deal. I don't think that they're going to ease these guys right into it. I, I think they're going to throw them throw them right out there and see what they can do and see exactly where they're at. With tight end, real quick, you know, obviously they lose their top three guys, but uh, there's been a lot of hype around Tyler Hoppus, particularly from offensive coordinator Dan Danny Langs. Well, he's the guy kind of by default right now. Yeah, I mean. but but it's not just a you know a, a default thing. I think that he's really earned an opportunity to uh, have a role in this offense. I mean, uh, his pass catching ability is a lot better than people think, and that was one thing that I mean, when Danny Langsdorf singles you out by name, unpr- unprompted. Uh, I mean, that says you're doing something right. So I think that you know people are going to be pleasantly surprised with what Tyler Hoppus brings to the table. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, and another news this week, um, kind of closing the book on this Keith Williams saga. Uh, Lancaster County judge um, sentenced Keith to a 30-day uh, prison sentence that can be served on house arrest here in Lincoln. Um, he will go uh, five years with a suspended license, uh, along with a three-year probation period. Um, he can apply, though, to have an ignition interlock system put into his vehicle and then have a $1,000 fine. So um, that this kind of ends the saga that's really been around Keith Williams since August. But nonetheless, um, and I want to go to Nate on this, um, uh, a stiff punishment, especially when you factor in that five-year license suspension. Um, this is something I'm sure Mike Riley will be asked on Wednesday because when you go on the road to recruit, you have to rent cars, and, and, and there's a lot of other traveling things that this could really have an effect on a guy and how he does his job over those five years. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how they kind of overcome that. I mean, obviously – you could get a car service, um, you know, and, and have kind of have a personal driver take you from point A to point B. You could use Uber. You could, uh, you know, maybe travel with an assistant, uh, have someone go out on the road with you and, and kind of take you from point A to point B. Um, or you can rely on, on people that you know, you know, uh, to, to help you out wherever you're at. So, um, you know, obviously Keith recruits California uh, quite a bit, uh, almost exclusively uh, when he's not national recruiting some of his top elite targets but um you know and he knows a lot of people in, in southern california or northern california regardless of where he's at out west so um so that could be you know a deal where where he maybe leans on some friends out there too i don't know exactly how they're gonna yeah. do it and the other thing too is this 30-day house arrest will it have any effect at all with his time around the team for spring practice or will you be allowed a work release which um 
you know, I know some you know, Brandon Riley, I think, had a, his house arrest with his DUI for seven days and he was allowed to go to classes and whatnot still. So will it be something similar with those 30 days. Um, you know, will he basically be able to go to the office and work and then go home, which, you know, I think if you, some people be like, well, that's really not much of a punishment. But um, I'm guessing that that is what will happen just based on, you know, what people have said coming out of the court hearings, Robin. Yeah, uh, that's going to be interesting and in how they handle that. Uh, just because, you know, one thing, obviously people talk about Keith Williams, a recruiter, but his on-field instruction is as good as it gets. And especially when we're talking about three true freshmen arriving in the spring, uh, to have him on the field working with those guys for, you know, however many practices they have over the course of spring would be invaluable. So I'm sure Nebraska is going to do everything in its power uh, to get him on the practice field, um, you know, for as much as they can. We have a full show here on tap. We're going to talk some basketball, a lot of discussion about Tim miles and his job future um, based on an Omaha world Herald article uh, that was written this week that basically forced Sean Eichhorst and Mark Bame uh, to make some statements along with head coach Tim miles. So we're going to get Robin's, Thoughts on the state of Nebraska basketball as they are on a very crucial stretch here to close out this season. Uh, then we're going to talk about um, some of the new recruiting rules. I had a chance to interview Dan Van Dierite, DVD, um, about what kind of Nebraska's camp plans and things are um, going forward in recruiting. And then we'll take your questions in the mailbag, along with also giving you the latest storylines in recruiting. That's all next on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett as talking some Nebraska basketball as the Huskers are in this final little stretch here before the start of the Big Ten tournament. NCAA opportunities pretty much out the window, but still the window remains open for maybe an NIT berth here uh, with this late stretch, but Robin, it's led to a lot of discussion started by uh, one of our colleagues, Lee Barfnick from the Omaha World Herald. He basically went at Nebraska's athletic director, Sean Eichhorst, and their basketball AD, Mark Bame, demanding answers, Lee. He wanted answers to know if uh, Tim Isles would be back as the head coach, and uh, he didn't get those answers, and, and he really wrote a strong opinion piece, which really led to Nebraska having kind of their own response uh, to the whole Tim Isles uh, situation and where he stands. Yeah, I don't know if Lee started the discussion, but uh, he definitely dumped about 10 gallons of jet fuel on top of the of already burning debate. Uh, so, yeah, things are that that topic is now the forefront of discussion to the point where uh, Wednesday night on Sean Eichhorst uh, radio show on the Husker Sports Network. I mean, that was one of the first things he addressed. Um, and had a very extensive uh, quote um, about his thoughts on Tim Miles and the status of Nebraska basketball. And uh, while he still <laughs> technically didn't answer the question of whether Tim Miles will for sure be back uh, for 2017-18, he did give a lot of praise uh, for the job that Miles and his staff have done. Um, he said that this is the strongest staff Tim has had since he's been um, at Nebraska, at least since Sean and Tim have worked together. Uh, and they talked about how they, they really like the the talent that they've assembled on this roster especially looking ahead to next season um, and you know I think that one thing he stressed is that they've had plenty of conversations uh, going back to as early as this spring about kind of their goals for this season and um, you know what what the expectations are and so um, from from that you you would think that there's a little bit more dialogue going on um, than you know some may think so um, you know the, the Unfortunately, you know, we're still left with the question of, you know, what's going to happen after this season. And I think most people, when they look at it, 
think that you know it would be unwise uh, to make anything uh, rash decision as far as firing Tim Miles. But you know, there's 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 always the unknown. I mean, well, Sean, yeah, it's the Pelini thing. I yeah. mean, um, that, that's that silence factor. But the difference is Miles is much more likable, and and Pelini yeah. didn't have that likability factor of a Tim Miles. Completely different circumstances, and you know, the one thing that was kind of the knock on Bo was things got stagnant. And, you know, that's, you can't really make that argument right now just because of the potential Nebraska basketball has for next season. And uh, I've said this before um, on our podcast and, you know, several times on other shows that really you look – I think you have to give him at least one more year. Uh, 2007-18 is going to be the most talented roster Nebraska's had since Danny Nee. Um, you know, those, those Teron Lou, Eric Strickland years. Uh, if Tim can't win with that roster against a schedule that's going to be much more favorable. It's still going to be tough, this though. Year. They yeah. have, they're going to still have Creighton and Kansas I'm just on saying, there. yeah. But it's going to be not as daunting as the number one strength of schedule in all of college basketball. Let's put it that way. So if you can't win with that roster against a relatively easier schedule, um, then I think you really have to ask questions because then you're talking about six full seasons. That's a lot of time to build a program. I think when you know Tim Miles was hired – uh, I personally viewed it as a five-year job. And if you go six years and with really nothing to show for it outside of kind of one magical end to a season, uh, then, you know, you really got to kind of look yourself in the mirror and ask, you know, is this the right guy for the job? But I still think that there's the, the, the opportunity and, you know, the momentum behind this program is enough that you do give him one more year. And I think that I have confidence that they're going to be a significantly better team next year because not only are they going to have, you know, more talented players, you know, especially with the additions of the grad transfers and Isaac Copeland, former five-star, James Palmer, former four-star, uh, who have played, you know, high major college basketball. Uh, this sophomore class currently is going to be uh, as battle-tested uh, as any you know, class in the Big Ten. I mean, they've played two full seasons uh, with a lot of minutes in the Big Ten. And so, I mean, that, that that's a recipe for success when you have veteran talent that, you know, has a core nucleus of what you want your program to be about. Um, I think that that's, that's what you need to do to win in this conference, and you have to give Miles and his staff the opportunity to coach it. And the, the other thing I'll say, Robin, is the support is still there from the fan base. I think if people lost belief, they wouldn't be yes. showing up and – you go into Pinnacle Bank Arena, and it's amazing for a team with a losing record. They are still like almost top ten nationally in attendance. That arena is full. Yeah, there's going to be those occasional thousand seats empty in the three hundreds. Uh, but when you break that down, there can't be another team with a record like Nebraska drawing this type of um, support still um, around the Power Five. Yeah, when you're drawing upwards to fourteen thousand on Valentine's night. Uh, for an 8 o'clock tip against Penn State, uh, you know the support is there from the fan base. And like you said, that's usually the kind of the one uh, or one of the biggest indicators of, you know, a, a coach's status. Uh, if the fans turn on you, then you know it's over. The fans haven't turned on Nebraska basketball. They haven't turned on Tim Miles. Uh, most The majority of the response I've gotten is an agreement that um, you have to give them at least one more year. Um, so, I mean, if somehow... Sean Eichhorst and the athletic department do something brash and, you know, decide to make a move, they better be sure that they get someone that is not only... They better have, like, Fred Hoiberg exactly. or Bo Ryan lined It's got to be a guy that when you hear that name, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. If they bring in somebody that, you know, some other mid-major guy or, you know, somebody that doesn't the really... Coach are like Akron or something. Exactly. Then you are setting yourself back at least two or three seasons because you're going to have guys leave and you're going to have a completely new rebuilding process that you already went through, you know, three times now since Danny Knee left. Yeah, you just think, though, Icors obviously feels 
confident in his basketball stuff because he brought in Laranega and that hire went so well at Miami. And then, you know, he's around Wisconsin with Bo Ryan. So I think he does feel like he knows how to do basketball and make hires. But um, there's been some criticism on the women's side, um, you know, that Connie Yori maybe wasn't given some time to hash things out and, and come back to her position because she built a national program and now Nebraska is last place in the Big Ten. And, and it looks like this is the only start is just the start of kind of the rebuilding where the women's program who knows if they'll ever get back to what they were under Yori? Yeah, that, that's probably the biggest knock on Icor's ability to to hire coaches. I mean, uh, you know, I think there's still a lot to feel good about about Mike Riley, and you know, I think that that's headed in the right direction. But yeah, the, the women's basketball program. Granted, to, to Amy Williams's credit, in her defense, I mean, that that was a total mess that she inherited. I mean, just a, a complete uh, toxic meltdown that happened in that locker room where you had players leaving, you know, bickering between coaches and players, and uh, it was just a disaster. So. Um, she, she was kind of behind the eight ball before she even l- landed in the plane in Lincoln. So I, I think that you got to give her uh, a little bit of a t- chance to, to dig herself out of this. But and if the, you if you have Miles leave though, let's just say thinking about that, what kind of me- that could be a potential mess of guys leaving here too. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, you got guys that are only, the only reason that they are in. Lincoln, Nebraska, playing for the Huskers is because of Tim Miles and his staff. And, and Kenya Hunter. Yeah, and I mean, those relationships are absolutely huge, especially with a program that relies so heavily on the transfer market. I mean, those it's all about relationships and player development and those guys believing that this staff will help them take their game to the next level. And if you take that out of the equation, you know, who's what, what incentive is there to stay here? Well, just two home games left. Nebraska will be home on Sunday. It's a 6-30 game, I believe, Robin, um, against Illinois. Yes, I believe so. And then they'll have one more home game the following Sunday, I believe, against Michigan. Yep, so to close out this regular season. Uh, two Sunday home games left. Um, this is a, a pivotal, pivotal stretch where um, Nebraska could have a shot to maybe be eight and ten, nine and nine. Went out, they're ten and eight. Which, oh my gosh, if they somehow got to ten and eight, mm-hmm. um, you know, then all of a sudden you're really excited about this team. And if they got an NIT bid, I think there'd be a lot of interest in, in how this team could play in something like the NIT. It'd be huge. And again, all they have to do is get in that 16, at least, more likely 17 win area. And then with the resume they have, uh, I mean, they're going to have a lot of arguments against any other team um, for a potential NIT bid. Well, we got a lot to talk about here still. We're going to shift back over to some football recruiting topics. I had a chance to interview Dan Van Dyke, DVD, uh, Mike Riley's right-hand man, just on some of the things the Huskers will be doing in recruiting. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as uh, we are gearing up for the start of spring practice next Saturday. But still a lot of recruiting topics and things changing in the world of recruiting. I had a chance, Nate, to catch up with um, Associate Athletic Director for Football, Dan Van D. Right, known as DVD in uh, the football world at, at North Stadium. Uh, just to get some thoughts on, on kind of what's going on right now at Nebraska with um, their thought process. Uh, as we know, um, the satellite camp rule has kind of been uh, amended where you can't have camps on third party uh, campuses or, or, I'm sorry, high school campuses or city parks or wherever they had been before. They have to be at NCAA member institutions, uh, whether that's Division One, Two, II, or Three. So, really, 
Um, there is a lot of flexibility with these recruiting rules. Uh, Nebraska will hold three camps in Lincoln. Two of them are Friday Night Lights, and then they'll have a big man and speed and skill camp on one day. So that will use up three of their days. Uh, DVD told me that they are still possibly considering doing a third Friday Night Lights camp uh, that's in discussion, but they're really just trying to kind of figure out how to strategize uh, the other six to seven days they can utilize. And in a lot of ways, Nate, I think they can almost still do an all-staff Southern California camp. There are nine Division II and Division Three campuses alone in the SoCal area, one of them being Cal Lutheran, where Nebraska was going to have a camp last year. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a fairly good chance that they are going to be utilizing um, those avenues. Like like you mentioned, they originally were going to have their, their California satellite camp at Cal Lutheran, and then they switched that to Calabasas High School. And then with the fires that happened shortly before that camp started last year, they had to kind of get creative and, and find a new spot there. But, um, you know, the, these rules, you know, initially I, I was – kind of concerned about how Nebraska was going to be able to, to kind of utilize these 10 days. And, um, but it seems like if, if you, if you plan it out the right way, you really aren't going to be hurt too, too bad by, uh, by the rules. Um, and if you, you can still have these all staff satellite camps, um, and, and especially if you're able to to kind of split your staff up some and have some guys at a camp in California, you could also have some guys on the at, same day. That's on, only one day. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think um, if you get a little creative there, you can maximize these these ten days, uh, you know, to your advantage. But I like the fact that they're having uh, two Friday Night Light camps. I don't know with three. Uh, you might start to kind of water it down a little bit, but two for sure is is something that needs to happen. And well, the problem with doing the real early one, DVD said, is a lot of California schools and West Coast mm-hmm. schools are still in school yep. uh, because they start later and they usually go into mid June. Um, so they knocked out some in state kids, maybe. And and yeah, I think that very first one wasn't a as high of a quality of a camp as maybe what we saw, especially in the final one. Yeah, there's no question about it. It was it was a little watered down, and uh, and I think you do have to have it a little later on in June uh, because of the the school schedules and everything, and um, you know out in the West Coast, and, and there's some other parts of the country, too, where schools go a little later into June, and um, and then kids kind of really start getting into uh, into the camp season and everything, but uh, it's going to be pretty fascinating to see how they coordinate these and, and what areas they want to hit. Obviously, California is is a place that, that they've kind of put a stake in the ground and said, hey, we're, we're going to be basically all in on recruiting California. Uh, this is an important area to us, and, and we have a lot of connections here, but uh, you know, last year's satellite camp schedule, you saw them uh, have a satellite camp in conjunction with a couple other teams in St. Louis, um, you know, and they were at a, a lot of other places as well. So um, obviously I think the 500 mile radius is, is a, uh, an area where they'd like to take advantage of, of continuing to kind of create more of a presence and spread their brand a little bit too. So I would imagine that they would try to try to have one in, in St. Louis or Kansas City. Yes, Lind- Lindenwood's a division two program. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe in the RMAC, same conference that you and K and Northwest Missouri States in, so they could still work that camp at Lindenwood. I mean, I I don't see a whole. I mean, the biggest things I see with this rule is you can't do sound mind sound yep. body, you can't do all poly, and you can't have like the Doral City Park camp in Miami. Th- those types of events, um, but you can still go to Georgia State. I mean, you can still go to Lindenwood. You can go to Cal Luther. I mean, it, it's more about organization now and, and how you lay out this map and. 
in this D2, D3 rule letting you work camps there still, man, I mean, you could get really creative where it's almost I'm surprised the NCAA is going to allow that because, I mean, there are a ton of D2 and D3 programs out there, um, especially, you know, nine of them in Southern California alone um, that you could work these camps at. And if you're smart, you're going to make buddies with these staffs pretty quick. Yeah, you're going to create those relationships and, and kind of get get something going here. Um, that way you can have a, an established time and date um, and kind of start publicizing that a little bit or having the, the host school publicize it a little bit. And I'm surprised uh, because I thought the NCAA was really going to rein, rein these in and, and kind of make it make it pretty difficult uh, to, to do. Or, or make it you know a lot more watered down than than what it had been, but um, I think organization and, and creativity are the name of the game here. And we're going to see how Nebraska really approaches this, um, you know, to, to make it as advantageous as possible. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we discuss some uh, topics from this past week in, in recruiting. Uh, Mike Riley, in an interview with Kerry Agers in the Portland Tribune, also made some interesting recruiting comments uh, regarding uh, potential hires. Uh, that could be added into Nebraska's recruiting department, particularly hires that will really monitor social media 24-7 and kind of, I mean, there will be like a graveyard shift worker almost, somebody that literally is on call uh, following Twitter, whatever the means of social media are. Um, And I asked DVD uh, to maybe expand upon that more, and he was not willing or not ready to make any more comments than that because obviously they're still working on this, but – um, an interesting comment, nonetheless, Nate, by Mike Riley, and it kind of just shows you the commitment Nebraska has to really building this recruiting machine up there right now. Yeah, they're they're definitely committed to um, creating is you know as, or being as efficient as possible. You know, just look at how much things have changed here in, in the last couple of years since Mike Riley has come. We've seen the overall amount of support staffers uh, go through the roof. We, we've seen um, them kind of reorganize and add to the current recruiting staff. And now if you if you dedicate a, a certain department towards uh, monitoring social media 24-7 and, and kind of being uh, maybe a point of contact for a lot of these kids and, and kind of continuing or creating a, a dialogue uh, with a lot of players that they've offered um, you know, on a on – a, you know, continual basis. I, I think that is. Uh, I think it's smart. I think it's an efficient way of of handling things. It takes it takes a lot off of the the plates of the current coaching staff and even the personnel guys, the guys who are helping to evaluate these players for offers. So um, I think it's a key component here, and and really helps Nebraska kind of elevate their their overall status. Uh, you know, closer to uh, in Alabama or a Michigan who or an Ohio State that have these huge huge, huge support staffs and, and recruiting offices and, and uh, all these different people doing you know specific jobs in, in the overall scheme of things. Yeah, you're just seeing Mike Riley get to do things he never could have done in Oregon State. He couldn't have hired a Billy Devaney. He couldn't have fired a banker like he did and then bring in a guy and pay him 300 and some thousand dollars more in Bob Diaco. And then now uh, this latest edition of just hiring basically – Twitter experts to come up there and follow recruiting him. I, I just think it shows you everybody's got ideas, but if you don't have the money 
and the ability and the means to execute the ideas, they're just ideas. Well, and, and I th- my vision of this is, I mean, I don't think it's just going to be purely Twitter experts. I, I think they're essentially going to be, you know, recruiters for Nebraska. They're going to be guys who are who are monitoring Twitter, obviously, and and are you know 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 how to utilize social media, but also guys who understand, um, you know, understand the game, understand Nebraska's schemes, understand where these players fit in uh, and where, you know, where they're wanting them to play at so on and so forth. And, and really how to help sell Nebraska and, and kind of, you know, I keep going back to Mike Riley's signing day press conference two years ago, where he, he continually said, we, we need to set the hook with a lot of these recruits. We need to get them interested in Nebraska and really set that hook. That way we can get them on campus. And, and I feel like this new department, I think that's, that'll be a main component of, of their job is, is communicating with these recruits via social media and, and really helping to set the hook uh, with these guys in, in hopes of getting them on campus at some point in time. Well, well it should be fun to follow all of this stuff, kind of how it plays out. And, and we'll get a better idea maybe from Mike Riley when he addresses the media on Wednesday at the pre-spring press conference. When we come back, uh, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag as Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson will join us uh, giving the questions that you want to know. That's all here next here on the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and we bring in our Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson for this week's edition of the Mailbag, Matt. And a lot of games in the mailbag this week, a lot of comedians, a lot of uh, edits. S. Latimer kind of went on a 25-post question spree where we probably won't use one of his questions, but we did get a few questions of note that uh, you want to bring to the table. Yeah, a lot of photoshops of you dunking the basketball, a lot of questions about Oh, boy. I've never dunked. <laughs> I, 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 believe, I believe you could throw it down. I never, I can't dunk. I never, I can touch the rim, and then that has been taken on to a whole other level of of stuff. And I saw one about me and Sam McEwing in a wing eating contest, which will which we'll go over a little bit later. But uh, let's start off with a little bit of football. Are concerns from the group of five the only thing really holding back the green light for this tenth coach rule? Um, yeah. Well, they haven't had the meeting yet. April will be when um, the meeting and the legislation will go through and. Um, that will be kind of when the group of five can make their plea to try to delay it. But as we mentioned, uh, I believe last week, um, if you're the group of five, this is going to happen. I don't think you want to just poke the bear and upset the power five over this because a lot of the power five teams already have guys in place ready to go. And if if you make these group of power five teams have to kind of like figure this out over a six month period and just upset them. I don't think that's what you want to be doing if you're the group of five. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like I feel like they want to delay this as long as possible and and kind of put this off as long as possible. And and we've seen with various other subjects or topics in the past with the NCAA. If, if if you can pre- present a um, you know pretty compelling argument that this is an unfair advantage, the NCAA is probably going to table uh, that. You know we uh, you know I remember back in the early two thousands when we used to send uh, you know overnight FedEx handwritten letters to kids uh, in the recruiting office. Well, that's like thirty bucks a piece. Yeah. Right? Well, schools like even like K State schools uh, kind of complained about that and said that I was an unfair advantage. They didn't have the, the 
the budget built into their, um, you know, they have that money built into their recruiting budget to do that. So, and that's, this is kind of their, their argument is we don't have the money built in to, to bring on another full-time assistant in this fiscal year. So, uh, so we'll see what happens, but I, I'm definitely not holding my breath that this is going to happen immediately. <laughs> my argument is, and this is, if you don't have the money, just go back to FCS then, because yeah. <laughs> this is the big leagues. You want those checks. You want that $1.2 million guarantee game. Um, well, it's going to come with a price. The power five teams want more coaches to work with their players. And that that's the argument you can make. It's almost like there's two forms of FBS division one right now. And, and there's people with money and people that get their money because of the people with money, pay them to play games. They're not making their money really off attendance. It's, um, because of the guarantee games they're getting. Like you said, it is like money ball. So, Digging actually into the mailbag, this is one of the few non-troll questions we got this week, so <laughs> kind of surprising Who's it here. from? Um, Air Force Husker, maybe? All right. Yeah, so uh, over-under on how many players Nebraska pulls from IMG. Nate? Boy, I'm going to have to say, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i set the line and probably, this is a conservative line, but I'd say over-under at two and a half, and, and I will... I will go out on a limb and say that they'll hit the over right now. I, I feel I feel fairly confident about a handful of guys there. Um, it, it, and are we saying just in the 2018 class or or in the just in the 2018? Okay, class. just the 2018 class. Yeah, I'll I'll go out on a limb and say that they'll hit the over of of two and a half. But uh, obviously, things can and will change. But uh, I, I think that's fairly reasonable at this point in time. Nate, I'm going to pivot off that. What's the over under for IMG visitors at the spring game? Now that will probably I'll I'll probably set that at at probably four. Um, and and I, it's hard to say right now. I, I feel like there's a good chance they hit that over of four. But uh, but as I mentioned, um, you know, there's it, kids always want to visit at this point in the game. And then, then the money comes in, and then the money comes in <laughs> into either purchasing an airline ticket or, or arranging a ride, and and uh, you know, and then there's a lot of guys that that end up dropping off of that that potential visitor list. So um, you know, it's it's really hard to say exactly how many guys are going to visit. But I, I think there's a good chance that uh, we could see four or more uh, at this point in time. Transitioning to a basketball question in the mailbag. And Robin, you knew this was coming. Is it NCAA tournament or gone for 10 miles next year? To make the NCAA tournament or to make it and win a game? Uh, let's say make it. Make it? Yes. I, I think so. Uh, just because uh, he said it himself. In fact, he just said it earlier this week uh, on Wednesday afternoon uh, that every year – their goal is to make the NCAA tournament. And so, again, if you've done that once in your six seasons, you're not doing your job. So um, given that there's already building pressure, you know, both you know, seemingly within the athletic department and around it, um, I think that the, that is the goal and that is the standard. And with all the resources and talent they have available, there's no reason why that shouldn't happen. Well, guys, I, I would say this, though, like if they're like the last team out, I don't know if you're going to fire him. I mean, if they have a promising year where they just come up short, next year and let's say he's still the guy um it just seems crazy that you would just base it only on the ncaa tournament um but yeah i agree with robin there, there's a lot um to that that people want to see that next step and the pieces look like they could be in place but yeah you've got to win in the non-conference i think nebraska has proven they can hold serve in big 10 play in the home court hold serve but they've got to eliminate those bad non-conference losses yeah no more december by game losses that that has to end three in a row now that has to end 
Well, it's a weekly roller coaster ride for Nebraska ball fans, it no seems doubt. like. Very reactionary fan base at times. Well, Nebraska football tends to be pretty reactionary as well, especially when we get into spring practice, a lot of hypotheticals there. And we're about a week away from that. So let's focus on a specific position here. Who steps up at wideout at the start of spring practice? Ooh, I think Keen Williams is going to be a name that comes into the forefront just based on being Key's son. He knows the lay of the land. He knows his dad. I think he's going to be a fast riser this spring um, of the new names that are here. I'm going with J.D. Spielman. I mean, this is a guy that almost played last year as a true freshman, and uh, I think he's just got such versatility to him. Uh, I think he's going to be a perfect fit um, in that slot, uh, and I'm really excited to see kind of that potential that we heard about all last season uh, with his play, Offensive Scout Team Player of the Year, uh, to see that play out with the first team. Well, I'm going to go kind of switch it up a little bit and say that Stanley Morgan Jr. is the the breakout at that at that group. I, going on a limb there. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I think I think he's going to be a completely different player now that that uh, he's going to have more opportunity and actually have a quarterback that that he's seemingly on the same page with and, and can get the ball from. Uh, I, I feel like he's going to turn into a dominant player. He's been really good so far, but I think he's going to be dominant this the, starting this spring. I'm going to also go on a huge limb here and say Tanner Lee will be the starting quarterback. <laughs> as long as we're going out on limbs, who's the most who's the most ready of the early enrollees to make an immediate impact? Ooh. Um, Avery Roberts, linebacker. Yeah, I it, it's hard to argue against Avery Roberts. Um, you know, I, I think I, you could you could make a case for Avery Roberts, uh, Keyshawn Jr., or Javon McQuitty, uh, in my opinion. You know, any of those guys, um, I, I think all three of those guys are going to make some sort of impact. Um, but who's who's more ready? Yeah, I'd probably lean a little bit towards Avery Roberts, but I think they're all right there. Yeah, I'll go with one of those wide receivers um, just, just because the opportunity is there probably more so than any other position maybe outside of Avery. All right, time for one more, David. Or, I called you David. Ooh, I'm going to get kicked. Oh, boy. Matt. Losing, losing points here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I promised Cornicator that I would ask this question, So, but I'm going to rephrase it a little bit. Buffalo wing eating competition of the HOL staff who could eat the most in one hour. I'm going to say Greg Peterson. Ooh. Greg is the, no, slowest, the eater slowest eater ever. ever. But it's one hour, so it's a set time. Uh, but you know, no, no, no. Yeah. Like, Greg gets a leftover box. Like, he gets yeah. a six-inch <laughs> sub from Subway, and he gets a leftover box because he's so slow eating I don't know it. if I've ever seen him finish a meal. Never. In one sitting. So, no, he would not win. I would go probably with Sean uh, just because – I don't eat a lot of wings, so I'm throwing myself out of there. I, I'm, my max is usually like six. I'm a carn. I can eat a lot of meat. Nate, like, I don't know. How many can you eat? In an hour? Hour. I could. I mean, I could probably do 12. See, so yeah, I, I would be last. In an hour? I don't know. It, it'd be hard to say. This Maybe this is something we need to set up here. I don't think I've ever done more than 12 in a set. Like at Tanner's, um, great sponsor to the show, um, as we'll give them a plug here. I usually get the order, uh, I think it's. I think they give you 10 in the order, and that's usually where I stop. I mean, 10 or 12. I mean, the, I, you, yeah. don't, you don't need any more than that. That's plenty of wings. So, so Nate's the front runner then. I might win this contest. I mean, See, are the, in, are the interns al- included? Last Wednesday night alone, I ate like 20 wings of Brothers. <laughs> yeah, but, okay, what type of wings are we talking about? Are we talking about the – because I used to crush wings at Brothers too, but those were like the mini like 10-cent wings on, on Wednesday yeah, night. Difference. You go to Watering Hole End Zone Tanners, that's a real wing. I mean, yeah, those are almost point. like the size of KFC 
chicken wings that you get from a fried chicken place. I mean, they're huge, so a little bit different wing. Yeah, I don't know. If I'm hungry enough, I can I can snack on them pretty well. All right. Well, that <laughs> we'll have to settle this debate. Yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna have head to, to Tanner's um, after this. I'll call uh, our, our great sponsor Tanner's and see if we can get this all set up. But that wraps it up here for the mailbag. When we come back, we'll close it with some more recruiting talk with Nate Klaus. You're listening to the Oscar Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show as we are almost a week away now from the start of Husker Spring practice. And that April 15th red-white spring game is just around the corner. And as we do every week here to close the show, we're going to talk some recruiting. And you kind of look at things uh, as we bring Nate Klaus back into the conversation. And, and, you know, this red-white game, Nate, has the potential to be huge. And, And we say that every year. This really is kind of where the recruiting gets going for Nebraska as like the, the first kind of landmark day. And you broke some pretty big news this week that uh, Bookie Radley Hiles, former Calabasas corner, um, will be coming from IMG Academy. But not only alone, um, he could be coming with a large group of IMG teammates. There are 13 four and five star guys in the class of 2018 on IMG Academy's roster right now. Yeah, there's they're absolutely loaded, and and that out of those thirteen guys, there's uh, I think two five stars who are ranked number one at their overall position, and and one of one of which is number one overall in the country. So um, that team alone is is uh, pretty special in terms of just the overall collection of talent. And and uh, Bookie told me he said, well, I'm planning on bringing several guys with me, but in typical Bookie fashion, this. Is I mean, he's a very mature and smart kid. He said, I'd rather not tell you all of the names right now until I have a, a much better idea of who's actually coming, um, you know, once it gets a little closer to the game. Because, and this happens every year, you know, at this point in the stage or in this stage of the game, everyone, every kid you talk to that has a Nebraska offer is like, yeah, I want to go out to the spring game. I want to, I want to head out to and, and visit Nebraska and, and see what it's all about. But, you know, as, uh, as you start looking into booking flights or, or trying to arrange a, a car ride to Lincoln from wherever they may be, be uh it becomes a little bit more difficult than i think what they initially realize and you always see a handful of kids kind of drop off uh off the radar but i'm still anticipating uh quite a group from img academy uh, in lincoln for the spring game and and this could be kind of the catalyst that that sets off this 2018 class even further from where it's already at and it's already a pretty good class yeah i wrote this this week it's almost nate like um the calabasas movement started obviously last year with all the guys they brought on, and even Markel Desmuke the previous year, but it's almost like Bookie Radley-Hiles has set up a Calabasas, Calabrasca satellite office in IMG right now. Yeah, it's exactly what it seems like. You, you've got, uh, obviously, Bookie Radley-Hiles out there. TJ Pledger is uh, it, one of the top running backs from California, went to Chaminade High School, um, who is now at IMG Academy. Obviously, Brian Hightower had been... Uh, was he a starter, a key guy? Or, he was a starter a key guy for Calabasas as a sophomore and then transferred to IMG Academy and, and was a key guy, one of their top 
wide receivers on the team last year uh, as a junior and is still out there. So there's a lot of connections here between Calabasas and California and then the IMG Academy thing. And, um, you know, someone on our message board kind of threw out a crazy conspiracy theory that that this is all uh, the brainchild of of, uh, Mike Riley and Keyshawn Johnson Sr., (laughs) you know, kind of melding, you know, Calabasas and that Southern California, Calabrasca movement with uh, IMG and and kind of, you know, hitting, you know, getting a coast-to-coast movement here between these two very, very powerful programs. Yeah, it sounds good. I, I kind of still have a hard time believing. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> but, believe it. But yeah, it, it sounds good. It's, and it actually sounds kind of plausible. We'll see what happens. But um, I mean, when you're talking about Nebraska has offered 11 of these kids from IMG Academy between 2018 and 2019. Um, it, it, and Bookie's already going to be on campus. I think if you can get um, if you can get just a, a couple more kids from IMG on campus for that, uh, that would be a huge success. And and if you get a whole car carload of these kids, or you know a handful of these guys uh, flying up here, or whatever the case may be, uh, I, I think that is uh, you know that would be huge, especially because Bookie is the type of kid I, I think um, he would be the ringleader of your recruiting class. He would essentially be a figure like Keyshawn Johnson Jr. was last year in, in helping to recruit kids into your class um, and and kind of just be I mean, not only a great football player, uh, but, but also a great representative and a very influential recruiter for your class. Well, and also, Nate, look at this angle, too. You have Keyshawn Johnson Jr. here, Tristan Jebbia here, so you know – they're going to have a good time up here this that weekend. I mean, those two guys are going to know the lay of the land. They're going to have some quote-unquote entertainment lined up for these kids when they come to Lincoln, whatever that entertainment may be. Um, so you have to like that angle. And I'm assuming Tyjon Lindsay will be here for the spring game as well. Yeah, and Tyjon Lindsay will be here for the spring game, and who's you know his cousin, he's cousins with Bookie Radley Hiles. So um, there's going to be like a big reunion of sorts here. Uh, a lot of I, bro hug going on. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's going to be pretty cool for a lot of these guys to see Keyshawn Johnson uh, Jr. and Tristan Jebbia, um, and they've all become friends with Javon McQuitty as well. It's going to be pretty cool to see those um, for those guys to see uh, those current players going through and, and actually playing for Nebraska during the spring game too. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we wrap things up here on another edition, just a week away from the start of spring practice here on Saturday, March 4th. Nate, the staff still very busy uh, making offers. Um, still get a lot. I get a lot of questions. I was on the road, uh, just like you, doing a lot of events, and, and there's a big, um, you know, high level of interest in the state of Missouri. Um, I know they've made a lot of offers. What are they at right now in Missouri as far as their offer number? Uh, I think the overall offer number right now is is in that six to seven range. Um, the the latest offer that has come to a to a Missouri prospect is Daniel Carson, who's out of Independence High School. Uh, he's a defensive end, six five, about two sixty five, two seventy, um, and that's kind of the the size of of defensive ends that Nebraska has offered here recently, and and kind of the I think is uh, you know one of those things that you can point to as far as the change. Of philosophy uh, of going to the from the four three to the three uh, four, and, and that really has kind of Bob Diaco's fingerprints on, on that new offer because uh, they seem to be offering more of your prototypical. 
you know, if you want to call it your strong side defensive end, more of your your five technique defensive end. But um, you know, I still think there's a handful of kids in Missouri that they're really looking at and paying close attention to. They have offered uh, a couple other underclassmen too uh, in the 2019 class. A couple kids from uh, Trinity Christian High School um, there in, in St. Louis who are going to be national recruits. These these kids are. Um, I mean, they're pretty kind of the, the your freak of nature type of athletes that could play uh, about three or four different positions on the football field. So uh, I think that's a good sign. Uh, you also had uh, you know an offer go out in uh, in Oklahoma this week too. Jalen Redman out of Midwest City, uh, out of kind of the Oklahoma City area. Uh, he's another defensive end that Nebraska has offered. Uh, coincidentally, his one of his best friends is uh, is a big target for Tim Miles in the basketball program too. So uh, and. And I think that between St. Louis, Kansas City, and the Oklahoma City area, Nebraska has an opportunity to kind of make hay uh, in this 2018 class. And, and that, and I think those three cities could be very fruitful um, for the Huskers. And, and they're they're definitely making their presence known. And, and I think as long as they continue to crank that up, it, it could be fun to watch and see what happens. And briefly, Nate, what's the biggest offer trend you've noticed maybe the last couple of weeks? Well, the last couple of weeks, it has been on defense and probably along that defensive line uh, in my opinion I, I feel like um, there's been a handful of uh, new defensive end offers that have gone out um, so Perella's kind of getting to work in the film room well yeah Perella's getting to work in the film room but also I think Bob Diaco is has kind of green lighted a lot of these offers uh, I, that's what I kind of feel like uh, you know, I get the impression that that there's been a lot of film uh, meetings, recruiting meetings going on where where they're watching these kids as a staff, and and kids are getting green lighted for offers. Um, and we've also seen some, you know, quite a few 2019 offers go out at this point in time. So it's not just 2018. It seems like they're really trying to get ahead of the curve for at least for the national type of kids in that 2019 class to maybe steal an early visit out of them. Or yeah, something. trying. Yeah, exactly. Try to get uh, the interest level going with a lot of these national type kids uh, that are coming up are going to be sophomores this year or going to be juniors this year uh, and try to get those kids on campus as early as possible. Well that, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Full weekend though of coverage. Obviously next Saturday will be the start of spring practice but Husker baseball um, plays in a big uh, Pac-12 challenge. Uh, they'll take on Oregon State and Utah, two really nationally relevant programs that will be big for the RPI. So lots to follow this weekend as we are just one week away from the start of spring practice. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.